Chuck Cooperstein, the voice of the Mavs, joining us. Uh, and, Chuck, I mean, it, we were feeling so good headed into uh, Friday. <laughs> things were things were looking up. I think a lot of good vibes, and I think a lot of people had buried the Clippers. And as you've seen, um, you, know, you can look at all those stats. Only four times have done it. But once a team gets up off the mat, uh, and if you allow that to happen, you know, you think momentum can get going the other direction. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, Chuck, it was uh, – I did you – I don't guess any of us saw this coming, did we? Or did you have any inkling this thing could turn on a dime? Well, not after the Mavericks got up 30-11, to 11, seven and a half minutes in the game three. Mm-hmm. And the place is absolutely bonkers. And, I mean, they're, they're getting ready to party like it's uh, – you know, it's uh, uh, Mardi Gras. I mean, it was, it was incredible <laughs> what was going on. And then, you know, the fact the Clippers somehow scored 14 straight points to get right back in the game. And, you know, it, it would have been one thing if they made a little run. Hey, you know, it's the NBA. Everybody makes a run. But if the Mavericks have a nine-point lead or a ten-point lead at the end of the first quarter instead of a three-point lead, I think it, it, it looks a lot different. But the the, the uh, enormity of the run by the Clippers to get right back in the game and then ultimately to take a lead, um, you know, really did kind of a, you know douse the flames that were going on in the arena. And then you know LA goes for the for the kill shot by you know doing probably what they should have done a long time ago, and uh, but we're just too stubborn to do it. And that's to go to the small lineup and put Nick Batum in at the five and take Zubac out. And since that time. Uh, they have just been absolutely awesome defensively. In fact, the Mavericks in those six quarters have not had a single quarter in which they have shot 40% from the floor. Golly, isn't that, that's remarkable. Did you see that deal where Batum called up Dial? It's so funny. I, I saw that story that he called up Dial and I think Draymond Green as well uh, to kind of uh, – talk about, you know, how they did it and how they played in a small lineup and all that. And it was it was fascinating to read that because in my mind, I had actually thought Batum kind of reminds me of Dial. Now, I'm not saying exact body type. Maybe it was the bald right. head or something. But there was something about his play that honestly well, was point. reminding me of Dial a little bit. Uh, yeah, they're different players. I mean, they're just because Dial had a kind of a crafty – you know, uh, and, and obviously he was much bigger. I mean, he, he was Dio was carrying two fifty at least, uh, yeah. and, and sometimes yeah. more. And uh, you know, he, he had some craftiness around him around the rim. And Dio never depended on you know out top the way that Batum could and does. Uh, so, but 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 the point is well taken that you know they 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 needed they needed something to be able to. Uh, be able to, to if they were going to switch as much as they want to switch, uh, they were going to need somebody uh, more adept at doing that than Zubats was. Because all Zubats was going to do was drop, and that just gave the average shooters too much room. They might be uh, here. They were able to get up into the shooters, and also, but uh, I, I do think Kawhi actually did take on the challenge of playing more against Luka defensively and, and trying to either. Know, to fight under screen, fight over screens, go under screens, but make sure he tried to stay attached to him as much as he could, as opposed to automatic switching. And, and that that changed the series around. And, and that's uh, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how the Mavericks uh, try to respond to that tomorrow.
tonight what type of uh, line of changes they make or just stylistic changes they make in how they play. Talking to Chuck Cooperstein, voice of the Mavs. Also, boy, he loves his golf. I thought about you out there at Colonial. Were you, I, were you able at all to slip out there like I'm trying to I did. To I got out on Saturday. Yeah. I did get out on Saturday. Got to walk around a little bit. It was really kind of weird. You know, the PGA limits crowds to 10,000. So, I mean, literally, even with the last group, if you, if you wanted to, I mean, you could be on the ropes with the last group. It was, it was pretty, actually. And it was actually kind of fun. But uh, uh, the, the energy wasn't quite what it needed to be or what we always expected to be. And, you know, hopefully next year they'll have 40,000 well, 40, people back there. And, uh, you know, it, it'll look more like uh, a normal Saturday at Colonial uh, and certainly a Sunday at Colonial. But it turned into a heck of a tournament, too. Yeah, well, and uh, Phil out there, I loved his answer. He's like, well, I didn't play very well that first day, he said, but I did win the PGA Championship. <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> like, who the heck cares how I played right. out here in ra- round one of the Colonial. But that's a course we both love and love the uh, history of it and all that kind of thing. Um, how compromised when you see Luca? And now, again, we both know that from time to time, people will see him go down and go, "Oh my gosh, Luca!" And then he generally bounces back. Now, this has been a lingering. This is more of a problem than Luca going down in a heap and thinking, "Oh, is he okay?" And then he he always seems to, uh, you know, be able to bounce back. This this is not that. This is has been some sort of lingering thing. Uh, he he didn't want to use that as an excuse the other night. But it, it, to your eye, uh, how much is, is he compromised right now from what you could tell in, in game four? Well, I mean, I don't know that this was a lingering thing. Uh, I mean, I think he took a pretty good shot uh, from Marcus Morris, actually, uh, during game three. And that that's when things seemed to change for him. And you can notice that he was uh, noticeably wincing. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think that uh, it, it it had. I mean, I think it had an effect, but I don't think it was the reason why uh, he didn't play as well as he's played in the other three games. I mean, listen, you can't expect him to be as good as he was in the other three games because he was unconsciously spectacular in all of those games. So maybe there was going to be a, a natural drop off. Of course, we haven't seen that from Kawhi Leonard yet. Uh, although he was pretty average in the first game of the series, and he's been great for three consecutive games. Uh, but um, you know, perhaps it has, you know it affects him in his passing and his vision because he can't really because he uh, is struggling to move his head, you know, to his left. Um, but hopefully, you know, you get two full days of treatment and around the clock treatment on it, and hopefully get it feeling better to where uh, you know he can he can be more like himself because I think. The Mavericks really do need 33 to 35 point a game, Luca, for them to be able to win at least one of these two games in the series and to force a game seven. Isn't it, it almost like the other players feed off him? I mean, if, as long as he's getting his usual 30 to 35, and it sounds crazy to say that, but that's been who he is through his, you know, the young playoff career. But Hardaway Jr., Dorian's not been good in these last couple of games, uh, but these other shooters that early in the series that were knocking everything down, I, I, it's almost like they need the head of the snake to be doing his thing for them to get their confidence. I, I don't know if it's too simplified or not, but it, 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 at least, I don't know, it seems like when he's not right, they're not right. 
Uh, I don't know that I would quite go there because, you know, even as well as the, the Clippers played defensively, you know, and, and really it was, it's more on the things that happen in the lane and not letting the Mavericks do very much in, in their two-point shooting. Um, I, I think there, there were a lot of shots that were missed that, that had been going down in the first three games. And again, not that you were going to expect the Mavericks to shoot 50% from three-point range. I mean, that's just just not sustainable. But the neither were you expecting them to shoot five of 30 either. Uh, the one thing that Clippers did really well uh, was run the Mavericks off the line. You know, if they only, if the Mavericks are shooting only 33 a game, I mean, at least this year, that's, uh, that hasn't necessarily hurt them. Uh, but, you know, when you're only making five of them, <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens here. It's going to be really difficult to win. Talking to Chuck Cooperstein, voice of the Mavs. Okay, uh, Porzingis, the enigma that is Kristaps Porzingis. It, when he's great, he's great. When he's bad, he, he seems to be pretty horrible in that uh, game three experience. Uh, nine points, couldn't get it going. You know, they tried to kind of feature him when Luka was, was on the bench, and that wasn't working. He was trying to shoot over smaller players. Um, what, what do you sense is going on with him? He was a little bit better the other night. But uh, And it does seem like people particularly love to beat up on this guy. I would say it has something to do with the insane amount of money. You know, the max contract that he has plays a role in that criticism. Also, the fact he's 7'3 and been called the unicorn. Where, where are you with uh, Porzingis uh, in this series? I'm fine with him offensively. You know, I just he needs to make shots. And, you know, listen, games two and four, he made shots. In games one and three, he didn't make shots. But, uh, you know, he's just, he just has not been good defensively this year, and, and that has been a problem. I mean, last year, he was a legitimate rim protector. He was in the top five in shot blocks in the league last year. And, again, it's not even just about shot blocks, but it's about protecting the rim and forcing more difficult shots. Uh, you know, I thought in the second half of game four that uh, he and the Mavericks actually did a better job of that when you consider the Clippers had 20 points in the paint in the first quarter, and I think they had 44 the rest of the game. Uh, you know, there were times where the Clippers were trying to get it in. You know, Leonard would get deep in the lane, but uh, in, he, he didn't. He couldn't shoot over Porzingis, so he passed the ball out, and, uh, you know, they whipped around the corner, and then there was a three that went down, so it wound up actually being worse as opposed you know, a three-point shot as opposed to a two-point shot. But... You know, he, he's, he's just not moved well laterally defensively this year. And I don't know if that's because of the surgery, uh, you know, how fast he came back from the surgery, or if it's, you know, what happened there late in the season when he missed 10 games. And, you know, that he, he's not quite right from that. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. And uh, it's not as if the Mavericks are particularly forthcoming when it comes to stuff like that uh, as it relates to injuries. But uh, that's where he, that's where he and frankly, it's one of the Mavericks have to be better. Because, you know, you can't win in the last three games to shut to 71.7. Okay? It, it, it's just, you can't let that happen. And, you know, no. that happened in the series last year, too. I mean, you, you just can't allow them to have as many easy baskets around the rim as what, they, as what they've had. And whether that's, you know, Porzingis or whether that's Max Kleber, you know, who also is struggling right now with an Achilles and his much, and he's uh, of a little presence in the past, though. So, the matchups has been because he's able to come from the weak side uh, as a left 
left-hand shot blocker and rarely fouls. But, you know, when you're, when you're trying to play against Kawhi and he's actually out on the floor trying to do that, well, that takes away something that uh, that he's obviously really uh, really good at. So, I mean, there are all kinds of problems that have been presented mm-hmm. here for the Mavericks. But I think the, the main answer for them, and it, it, it's not the ideal answer because I don't know that the lineup has necessarily been great when they played together, but, uh, you know, I think putting Josh Richardson in the starting lineup, number one, I think uh, helps his mindset. Uh, you know, mm. he wasn't happy when he was put on the bench. Uh, he, he's been professional. He's played through it as much as he can play through it. He's really important in game two uh, to them winning. But if the Clippers are going to go small like this, I think the Mavericks, the Mavericks have to find a way to, to match that, especially if Cleveland is not right. And clearly he's not right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you put Penny Smith on Kawhi, you put uh, uh, Richardson on Paul George, and, you know, Doncic is on Morris, and you, you worry about everything else, you know, from there. But I, I think that might be that might be one solution that they're looking at to, uh, to try to combat what's gone down here in the last six quarters, for sure. All right, well, I'm just hoping getting away from the AAC. We were so excited about this crowd and feeding off the crowd. Now you're like, well, maybe they can get off, get on the road and get their uh, mojo back. By the way, uh, Boris Diaw, back in the Western Conference Finals in 2006, he was giving me tips on where to go for sushi in Scottsdale. You know, because I always was working those strange angles with the Dallas Morning News. And so I, I do recall... Boris Diaw telling me to go to a place called R.A., which I believe is one of the better sushi outfits there in um, Scottsdale. So, uh, and, and a man, as you said, Diaw did not miss a lot of meals, and so I think he was <laughs> the right guy to be telling me where to go eat. He probably was, and, uh, and, let, and let us hope that somehow uh, things work out as they did that year. The Mavericks and the Suns are playing in the Western Conference Finals, and we can revisit a trip to R.A to see just how good it is. Or if, it, if, it's, if it's even still there. Oh, my gosh. Those, those, boy, you're bringing back some, some fun memories. Even <laughs> ran into our, the, the, the late, great Craig Sager one night, sitting at one of those uh, watering holes. And, and in walk, I mean, you could have, I think the same night, um, Stardemeyer came walking in there late, and I was way more excited to see Sager come walking in. I thought, man, this is NBA royalty right here. And he had one of those great jackets on. Uh, I think Kevin Blackstone may have been in there as well. But uh, anyway, Coop, always fun catching up with you. And uh, uh, let's go. Let's try to go go get him tomorrow night. All right, Matt. Thanks a lot. Take care. There he goes, Chuck Cooperstein.